Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. So the message is the message of the cross. Christ, the power and wisdom of God. I got to get used to lights and being up here. Praise the Lord. Our uh, text is from 1 Corinthians. So you can turn there if you have a Bible. I, I have a Bible. I know it's up on the screen. But I want to just give you a little, um, oh, what's the word? Just like a, a little review of First Corinthians. It was the church the Apostle Paul started. It's back in Acts 18, around verse 11. And as you're looking at First uh, Corinthians, the Apostle Paul um, addresses the Corinthian church in Corinth. He starts out by thanking them, and then he talks about their spiritual gifts from 4 to verse 9 of, of, you know, how they have every spiritual gift because they're Christians. It's a church, spirit-filled Christians, just like us. But then he goes into the sectarianism, the division in the church. And he says, um, some are saying, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas, which is Peter. I am of Christ. And he's addressing this because it should not be in the church. We shouldn't compare one another. God doesn't compare. The only one we should compare ourselves to is Jesus. Amen? That's the one the Lord's making us and forming us into, the likeness of his son. So he's addressing all that. And um, I'm going to just tell you what Dr. Uh, Culpepper said about these Individuals, the Paulites were li- they really liked Paul because he was scholarly and intellectual. So they were of Paul. Paul's like, Did I die for you? I'm paraphrasing. Was I crucified? No. Did you, did you get baptized in my name? No. So we don't want to lift people up. I'm going somewhere. Just hang on. <laughs> and then the if I'm saying it right, I'm going to call them the Peterites. We like Peter because he's so traditional and conservative and practical in his approach. Come on, we know people, we do this stuff. And then there's the, uh, you know, the Apollites. They liked the skill and eloquent teaching that Apollos had, which Paul put in place, Apollos, as the pastor of that church. So that's kind of interesting. And the Christ, Christites, you'd think that would be a good thing. But what Dr. Culpepper says is they're the super spiritual ones. They look to no human to lead or feed them. These are the spiritual snobs. People who think, you know, I've got all the gifts and I don't need any help. Nobody can teach me. Well, we need to be humble. Amen. 
So we don't want to be any of those. We want to be Christians. And what do Christians do? We get along. We don't divide. Amen? How will they know if we're a disciple of Christ? By how we love one another. Not that that happens here. That isn't why I'm saying it. It's just part of the process And we're going with it. For in verse 17, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So I thought I'd, you know, let us know what was going on in Corneth at that time. It's in Dr. Culpepper's um, book, Search 62. The city of Corneth was located near Anthems. I didn't know this. It was the capital of the Roman province of Achaia and the most important city in Greece. You'd think Anthens was, but no, Corneth was. It was the empire's, remember, it was Roman Empire, so it was the empire's most strategic travel route from east to west. And it had two seaports because in the picture, you can't see it, but there's an opening between the the landmass that the ships could travel from one sea to the other sea. And it was the fourth largest, for all you history buffs, fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. That's huge. That's a huge city. So what's interesting to me is how it parallels to us. It was remarkably similar to today's American culture because it was a melting pot of people. This is not on my slide. It's a, and it was a crossroad. Oh, yeah, it is. A crossroad of travel. And it was noted for commerce. Are we not? Culture, art, human achievements, and corruption. Corneth's people were absorbed with luxury, Lust and lasciviousness, which is sexual immorality. So what is the message of the cross to you? The message of the cross to the Jew and the Greek was foolishness. Because the word cross represents death and punishment to them. The Jews wanted a sign. And the Greeks wanted wisdom. The Jews wanted a sign, which is power. They wanted a conquering Messiah to come, take over, kick out the Romans, and let them rule. And the Greeks, they thought it was foolishness because they were all about wisdom. Wisdom in their own human wisdom, their intellectualism. They really valued their intellect their philosophy, this is not on the tiles, and luxury. And they had many gods in their temples. Their temples were not serving the Most High God like we sang about. It was their gods. And they were immoral and vile. And they they had better than attitudes because they really cared about their opinions. Doesn't that sound like Americans right now, some of them? Opinions. Opinions are opinions. They're not facts. So if you have an opinion and it's not based on the word of God, it's not a fact. It's an opinion. And opinions are not your identity. They're just how you think. Right or wrong, it's an opinion. What's truth is the word of God. Amen? So one resource said, 
that they actually thought it laughable, a Savior on a cross. But in this text is the text I'm preaching from. In 1 Corinthians 118, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are... Foolishness. They really don't get it because the mind is darkened. But for those of us who are saved, it is the power of God. Paul was saying to them, all those, you follow this person, you follow that person, I got to step away. You follow this, that doesn't matter. We preach Christ crucified. That's what matters. And it still matters today. Amen? It does. Because he's the reason we're here. He was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father as the intercessor. So he's praying for you right now. That you'll grab a hold of the message of the cross and never forget that that's where it starts. And if your heart is waning a little bit, you rededicate. It doesn't mean you get resaved. It means you rededicate to the Lord. That you want him Lord of your life in every area. Not just, here he's Lord. Oh, I hope this don't do anything with the cameras. Lord over here, because you know. This is all tidy and neat, but I'll go over here and do this thing. And then when I want something, I go back over here. No, that's not how it goes. We come before God. What does God want? A humble and a contrite heart. Amen. That's what the Lord turns to a humble and a contrite heart. We're praying that our prodigals come home. We're praying that they actually sense God's pull back to him, not to you, to him, because that's what matters. What matters is Jesus and him crucified. He's the risen Lord, but his crucifixion is powerful. He's the wisdom and he's the power of God. So I want to read this in the New Living Translation because I really thought it was appropriate and says it the way the beginning verses talk. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy, excuse me, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Greeks who ask for a sign from heaven. It is foolish, I mean, Jews. It is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended. That's not the kind of Messiah they wanted. The, the, the Gentiles say it's Nostads. How could a Savior die on a, on a cross? That didn't make sense to them because they weren't, their eyes were darkened. Their hearts were darkened. They couldn't understand because it was the wisdom of God and it was the love of God that he suffered for us. But to... But to the, those who are called to, by God to salvation, both Jew and Gentile, us, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
the power of God and the wisdom of God. He exemplified the Father. He showed us what the Father looks like. He left the glories of heaven. I know most of you are Christians in here, but someone online might not know this. He left the glories of heaven, laid it all down, came as a baby, fully human, fully God, and his human part had to go through all the things you go through, all the sorrows, all the pains, all the trials, all the heartaches. He experienced it all for us. And then, I'm getting ahead. So it represents the message, and then... He goes through all of that, and he still has to lay down his will to die on the cross. And he empowers us because he died. Each one of you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to go through, not get stuck. Just keep on going through whatever you're going through. The Lord walks through with you like he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He went in that fire. If you're in the fire today, he's in the fire with you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you you're all alone because you're not. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The Lord of glory is with you in whatever we go through, whether you're just doing laundry or you have a health issue if you have crazy joints or if you have a perfect body he's with you the message of the cross is Christ crucified and it represents death entombment and resurrection it brings healing it brings salvation it brings deliverance to all who call on him and we can never forget that never forget that Christ is the power of God and the resurrection of God. To me, the message of the cross, when I started this, the Lord gave it to me before pastor had asked me. And when he said, are you ready? I said, I got a message. (laughs) So God is good. But to me, the cross is sacrifice. It's laying down your life. You know, in America, be laying down your opinion, your theories, your reasonings. And it's carrying your cross in whatever God walks you through. It is humility and meekness, surrender, but most importantly, it's love personified in that one word, love. First, it's lasting love. I gave you a little tiny tidbit of what the rest of them are. Lasting love. Christ's love for you is eternal. In Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I, will dr- I have drawn you. That's a never letting go love. Everlasting, long lasting, it never lets go. He doesn't give up on us. Amen. I don't have a a tablet, so old school. Back in the day, I would write them out. God's love draws us, sustains us, brings us through situations. All because he died and was crucified. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life. You need to you need to meditate on this. Nothing can separate you from Christ's love. 
Your sin might separate you from some fellowship, but it won't separate you from his love. Because his love is greater than we can fathom. It's powerful. It died on the cross for us. So his love is beyond our human understanding, but he gives us glimpses of it. Because we have the visual, well, not there, but the visual of the cross. We saw what Jesus went through. He was real. He's alive. He is, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He was before, and he still is, and he always will be. So I'm, persu- I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you don't feel loved, know that you are loved by God. And his love lasts. You can't wear it out. You can't wear it out. Say to yourself, I can't wear it out. Can't wear it out. It's everlasting. And it's love that's tangible. It's real. He brings it to you when you're his child through his spirit. He empowers you with his love. That's how we can love others because we were first loved. God's love is unfailing love. Therefore, it is long-lasting. Long-lasting. I don't know why I keep thinking this, but somebody doesn't feel loved. And the Lord wants you to know he does love you. You're not so far away that he can't reach you. Just turn to him. Let let his reached out arm for you grasp a hold of it and sense his love for you. Maybe someone online, maybe someone in this room, but God loves you. You know, even as Christians, we can get worn down. And then we start to think, oh, I messed that up. Lord ain't gonna, ain't gonna like it. Ain't gonna like me. Ain't gonna love me. That's all lies. When you mess up or you sin, you repent and turn back to Him. He's like Dad. He just grabs you, loves you back. Sure, there's consequences to sin, but He won't take His love away from you. And then there's overcoming obedience. The Lord Most High overcame through obedience to the will of the Father. We as Christians have that ability to overcome through our obedience. I could have put obedience that's overcoming, but I like the overcoming obedience because he purchased overcoming for us. He overcame, therefore we can overcome. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So whatever we go through, the enemy tries to wear you down and make you think, it's going to kill me. Maybe it's supposed to kill your flesh, but it's not going to kill you because the Lord is working for you. Amen? Overcoming obedience. It's obedience. It's overcoming and being obedient even to death. Sometimes we got to die to our opinions. Well, I'm stuck on opinions. They're not even in my notes. <sighs> um, Hebrews 12, 2. 
When you're really having a a hard time and your faith is starting to fail, realize that Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. I'm looking for a tissue. Can you give me one? Praise the Lord. (laughs) Um, Looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Thank you so much, sister. Thank you. The joy set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame. He didn't want, he didn't like this idea. He even asked if it's possible and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. When you go through hardships, look unto Jesus because he's the one who overcame through his obedience. Maybe you want to say something and the Lord's told you not to. Maybe you don't want to say something and the Lord's told you to say something. Open it up then. Always speak in love. Iron sharpens iron. But as we go through things, the Lord knows our struggles. And we look unto him. You, you might say, I don't have that kind of faith. Yes, you do. That's a lie. You do have that faith. The Lord gave you a seed of faith. And as you move in that, you grow. So you have the faith. The faith to obey, the faith to overcome, whatever obstacle it is. And not for your glory, for his. It's about Jesus and what he did for us. Philippians 2, 7 through 8. Now this is the mind we're to have. See if I can find it. I'm going to do verse 5. It's not up there, but I'm going to do it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him, giving him the name which is above every name. And I love this verse, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when it's all said and done, they're going to say he was Lord, whether they like it or not. Amen? But he humbled himself and became obedient. So my question to you is, what is God asking you to do that you're vacillating about? What has God put on your heart or told you not to do and you want to do, so you're doing it? What is it that you need to lay down at the cross and give it back to the Lord so that you can be empowered with that overcoming grace that you need? 
Just take a moment and let the Spirit of God talk to you. I'm not done yet. But if there's something that you're vacillating with, follow the leading of the Lord. Follow the peace. He made the way for us to overcome through obedience. In Romans 8, 35 and 39. Who shall separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. Our flesh needs to die all day long. You know, that little quick, how do you say this? Um, You know, that little quick response you want to give couples know what I'm talking about (laughs) maybe it's just me Um, but that quick little that little you sense the Lord don't say it don't say it don't say it don't say it amen come on mostly ladies or the men don't don't have the words us ladies we have quick 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 retorts Yet in all these things, it even says we are accounted as sheep for slaughter. Yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors? He overcame so we could be overcomers. We're more, have you said lately to yourself, I'm an overcomer? Come on, I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. Because the Lord Jesus conquered all. Amen? Amen. Conquered all for us. So not only is this about what the Lord did, it's about us today in America. August 21st, 1920, or 19. It's a while ago. 2022. We're Revelation 12, 12, 11 says, and they overcame him, we know it's the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even unto death. So an obedience that produces an overcoming heart and mind. You know, the heart and the mind are connected. So if you start thinking about something long enough, you're going to get it in your heart, which produces a desire, and then you're going to want to do it. So get it while it's here. Because here's where you take those thoughts down. Here's where the crown of thorns, I like to use this example, the crown of thorns took those thoughts so that you don't have to think those thoughts. If it comes at you, tear it down. That's what the enemy's uh, darts are. Thoughts. Thoughts that come against you as a child of God. Oh, you can't do that. How do you know? There's a good one. Well, how do you know? Try to make you doubt that God spoke to you. Try to pull you away. They say the, the Bible says wiles of the enemy. That means he's got all kinds of tricks. But the one who got victory over him is seated at the right hand of the Father. So his power has been taken. He only has what you give him. So don't give it to him. Choose. Choose your thoughts. 
Choose every thought you think. If it, you don't recognize it, if it doesn't glorify God, if it makes you feel less than, say, no, I refuse that thought in Jesus' name. I don't have to think that way. Tear it down. Because as a child of God, you have the mind of Christ. We got to walk in it. We got to remind ourselves. That's not how God thinks about me. Amen? I know you said amen before, but it's the old old school in me. So it's an obedience that produces an overcoming heart and mind. This is the mindset we have. We can obey. There's some things maybe you don't like to do. Maybe there's chores you don't really care for. Do them anyways. There was this great story on Facebook that I read about I don't know if he was a general or what, but he said, start by making your bed. I love that. Because I didn't make my bed till I moved to Indiana. 30 plus years, well, probably 40 now. It was in 76. So, but my aunt wanted that bed made every day. My mom didn't care. But my aunt did, and it developed a habit. Developed good habits. Habits to crucify your flesh. Habits of reading the word. Read it out loud if you get tired. I once heard a story where a, pre, uh, a, a preacher would, was getting older and he would fall asleep when he was reading. So he stood on the bathtub, on that edge of the tub, and read the word. That'll wake you up. Fall off of that. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I'll have my coffee while I read the word. Do what it takes. Follow the leading of the Lord. Amen? The message of the cross is victorious surrender. Jesus surrendered to the will of the Father, to the point of drops of blood as he prayed. That's some, that's, that's some definite surrender. That means in his soul... He was battling. He, if, if, if it was possible for that cup to be taken from him, but he didn't want his will. He wanted the Father's will. And sometimes there's things that God wants us to do, like come to church, because we need each other. We need each other. No shame on someone watching online, because if you're out of town or sick, we just pray you get well. But we need one another because it builds us up. That's why the word says don't forsake the assembling together because we can give each other the love, the encouragement. Not that religious, oh, I'm fine. Everybody's fine. No, we're not. If you're not fine, say you're not fine so we can pray. Amen? It's probably the counselor in me. I don't know. Don't go, I'm fine. I've done it. I'm rebuking myself right now. I'm sure I've done it. Matthew 26, you can turn there or, you know, use your phone, whatever you have. Verse 39. I got tons of time, so I might go there and read it. When Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane and said to his, the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. 
And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply depressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Then he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. If possible. So that doesn't mean that you can't say, Okay, Lord, is there any other way? Because Jesus said it. If possible. But what is the surrender that brings the victory is not my will, but yours, Father, be done. Not what I want, not how I want it, but what you want, Father. Surrender produces victory, but not in the world's wisdom it don't. Man thinks surrender's failure. I don't know that I have this up there. Yes, I do. But in God's kingdom, surrender produces victory. Jesus surrendered everything and won over death. He won the keys back. He paid the price. His surrender enables you to say, not my will, but the Father's. His surrender gives you the empowerment to do what God has called you to do. It gives you the empowerment and the grace to do work, home, relationships, jobs, whatever. Raising kids. Raising kids is hard work. Because they got their own little opinions and their ideas. And, you know, their friends. It's all about the friends. Surrender is not giving up. It's giving God the situation. Surrender is not, oh God, I just give up. It's God, take this. I can't do this without you. That's the victorious surrender. That's the love personified. He showed us the way. That's why the apostle Paul said, I preach Christ crucified because it is the wisdom of God and the power of God. We never can lose. We know he's risen. We know he's at the right hand of the Father, but we can never stop realizing or forgetting that at the cross, our sins were paid. At the cross, salvation was made possible. At the cross was made the route to the Father, and it's through Jesus. There's no other route. He's the only way. He's the truth, the light, and the way. There's no other way. And his surrender made it possible for your surrender and your victory. James 1-2 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So there's a crown through endurance, through surrender. A crown we get when we get to heaven. Excuse me, I have to take a sip. 
In Matthew chapter 10, verse 38 through 39, you might be familiar with this. Jesus says to them, And he who does not take up his cross and follow me, follow after me, is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. But he who loses his life will find it. There's that surrender and victory. You want to keep your life, keep everything going the way you want it to go, what you think is your plan. How many here have made plans and realized that God wasn't in my plan? Oh, just me and Brenda. Okay. (laughs) There's a couple of us. It's surrendering your plan and realizing that the Lord has a better plan. You might not see it. You might not even sense it. But when you surrender it, then he'll show you his plan. doesn't always happen overnight. The Apostle Paul understood the surrender. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Concerning this thing, he had a a thorn in his flesh. You know, theologians debate whether it was eye trouble or uh, whatever it was. A messenger from Satan was buffeting him. And it, it was bothering him. So concerning this thing, he pleaded with the Lord three times. There's the three times again. That it might depart from him. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then the Apostle Paul said, therefore, most gladly I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So his grace is sufficient for us. Whatever you go through, grace is his empowering presence to go with you, and help you in everything you do. His grace not only empowers you, it enables you, not enablement like, you know, codependent, but enables you to do the thing that God has called you. It's here today for each one of us. Whatever the Lord's asking you to lay down, today's your day. If you've never received Christ, today is the day of salvation. If you've waned back and you're not sure anymore and you just, the whole Christian thing has, you've lost your first love, today's the day to rededicate because his love for you is not waned. It's still powerful. It's still effective and it's eternal. Grace goes in the fire with you. Grace stands when you get bad news. Grace comforts you when you're Home alone and nobody's there. When you're, when you're weary and burdened, Jesus says, come to me, all who weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. We carry things ourselves because we think we have to. All it does is put us down. That's the enemy. God wants your troubles. He wants your burdens. He wants to help you. That's why he sent his son. Salvation is more than just, I get to go to heaven. Eternal life is today. 
right now. Living this life connected in the spiritual realm to our citizenship in heaven. So no matter what we face, the hard things, he's here walking you through. And number four is eternal life. Eternal life. In John 3, starting at verse 14, Jesus said, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I sense in my spirit the Lord wants me to talk about grace just a hair more because grace is not just favor. Grace is the ability to do whatever you have to do, whether it's washing dishes or going to the job or taking care of your kids, being retired. You know, my husband says, getting old ain't for sissies. But there's grace for us as you get older. There's grace for the younger to endure the hardships at school. Because there's, there's things at school that want to tear down young Christians. And there's grace available. Grace is tangible. You can grow in grace. You can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can grow in grace. The Bible says grace came for grace. Jesus, full of grace, came for grace, to give us grace. So grace is that, is that tangible sensing of the Spirit of God when you need to do something. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. You know, as the blood flowed down the cross, it purchased life today, life eternal. It purchased what we need. Eternal life, like I said, is not just when you get to heaven. Don't live like one day I'm going to get to heaven. Live now in the presence of God, energized by the power of God to do whatever you got to do. I'm like a repeat record here. Whatever you got to do, because there's more than just you. And God wants to use each one of us. I don't care. How old we are, God still, if you're still up breathing, he's got something for you. Because he's, God's on mission. There's people in our neighborhood that don't know the Lord. There's people who know of the Lord, but they don't know the Lord. You can know of God, but not know God. Jesus said in one of the parables, I didn't know you. But Lord, I cast out demons. I laid hands on the sick. And he said, I didn't know you. What does that mean? That means there was not a relationship. He really didn't know you. It's about Jesus and 
him today. So love is lasting. It's overcoming obedience. It's a victorious surrender, and it's eternal life. The message of the cross is love. Love that purchased our salvation, our healing, our deliverances, our peace. Maybe peace is something you don't have because your mind is so jumbled with thoughts. Today's the day for victory for you. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, tear down the thoughts, and give you peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He paid the sacrifice. I did the visual because it's his blood that was shed for us. There is power in the blood of Jesus. When I got delivered from drugs, I used to say, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And I'd say it over and over. And this was a long time ago. And within a couple weeks, it was gone. And I've never gone back. But that's the grace of God. That's the power of the cross. The power and wisdom of God. Man, you can't understand God with your wisdom. Don't try to figure it out. Because just about the time you think you got God figured out, he does something different. Because he's God. And he's given us a lot to know him. But this ain't everything. So if, you know, if Bethany wants to come up, if it's a victorious surrender you need, or something you've been battling with that you don't want to let go of, today's the day. The ultimate gift of life, the giver of life, gave his life so we could have life today. Life abundantly. Does that mean all the riches? Not always. It means inside. Peace. Inside. Rest. Jesus is calling us today. If you've never asked Christ into your heart, today's the day to ask. So I want us to bow our heads. Because if you've never accepted Christ, today's the day. If you've never said, Lord, I'm I'm a sinner. I know it. I need you. Then today's the day. So I pray, Lord, if there's one in this room who does not know you or online, as I say this sinner's prayer, they will receive Christ. So, Lord Jesus, you can say it with me. Lord Jesus, I want you Lord of my life. I believe you died and rose from the dead and that you are the Son of God, and that you, Lord, are the Lord of all. So if you've made that prayer for the first time, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. And then if you have to rededicate because you kind of waned off, now's the time. We call this an altar. 
You don't necessarily have to come up, but I would. Because this is where you're making a declaration. Yes, Lord, I want you, Lord, of my life. I've played church long enough. I want the fire of God in my life again. I want the love of Jesus to be seen in to others. I want to give you my all. I surrender my all. So if that's you, just come on up. And if you don't need to rededicate, I'm going to come down here. If you don't need to rededicate, but you have burdens you've been carrying over for a long time or just started, now's the time. When you stand and say, Lord, I can't, I need you, that begins the whole process because Jesus wants what you're carrying. He doesn't want you to have to carry it on your own. He wants to carry it for you. That's one of the reasons he died. He bears our burdens. So, Father, I pray for each heart here. As we as we have heard your word, and it's not a new word. It's, it is your word, though, that you would minister your love into each heart that you would help us to surrender Lord what we need to let go of even if it's just a plan we thought would be a good plan we lay it down Lord we want what you want for us we give you all the honor and the glory amen Thank you.